is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 232. My name is Brando. Thank you all for hanging out on another edition of this uh, Guns N' Roses-themed Bar Mitzvah Party of a Broadcast. Uh, we have two guests for you today coming up later on for the Appetite for Discovery segment. Adrian Quesada of Black Pumas, who were nominated for a Grammy this year for Best New Artist, but lost... To Billie Eilish, which is nothing to sneeze at. She's like the most famous person on the planet now. But we're going to talk to Adrian. This was actually uh, not the first time he was nominated for a Grammy since he's won before. But Black Pumas are a new-ish band with some seasoned vets. But it's uh, – I mean it's a Guns N' Roses podcast. So we're going to talk to him about Appetite for Destruction, of course. <laughs> and I'll, we're going to discover if the mayor of his hometown – was in Guns N' Roses. More on that later. But first, legend, guitar legend from Toto, Steve Lukather. I mean, this guy's credits are longer than just Toto's credits. But today we're going to focus on, other than the Six Degrees of GNR Bacon, of course, his forthcoming solo record coming out February 26th of next year, I Found the Sun Again. And also, Toto reformed. And he is going forward with Toto, along with Joseph Williams. And not only are they going to have, uh, hopefully, a tour next year, but they are putting on uh, a live stream event soon. So we're going to talk to him about that right now. Hi, Steve. Hey, Brandon. What's up, man? I'm uh, I'm doing uh, pretty well. Uh, how are you doing, Steve? Well, thank you. I'm doing okay. I'm looking out the window going, is it going to be sunny or not? Can't make up mine yet. See, now I kind of uh, have hanging a... Hanging out here at the house, you know? See, now I have a visual because I got to say, as I'm doing this interview, normally I would be in the studio, but I'm in my apartment in Queens. I got to see your place. There you go. <laughs> I'm in my place in L.A., yeah. But yeah, but I, is that the same place you shot uh, Run to Me? Because we got a... That got, is true, yeah. Okay, so we got a chance same, to see where house, you live. Except I'm inside of it, now in my office somewhere. Okay. Because now I... I but, uh, yeah, no, no, that's not bad. You know, that's funny. We did that video for no money. We did it one day. One iPhone. Joseph Williams did it and put it together for me. Shot a little bit of Ringo's house. It was a gift for his 80th birthday, you know. And uh, he decided he wanted to play on it because he dug the tunes. So I was like, okay, let's do this. So I put it out early because it's a happy song. And my record's a little hard, more hard-edged, a little more jam bandish. Uh, so it's a little different. This is like a three-minute pop song with a wink to the 60s, obviously. And uh, so that was that. That's something a little different. You know. But, you know, Joseph and I both have solo records out, so we thought we were going to tour together anyway. And our agents go, look, you know, you're the guys left. And David Tate worked on all of our records, and we worked on each other's records. So we thought, well, you know, we're all, Joseph and I are the only guys left that want to work that are still on the planet and still can physically do it, you know. Right. And so they said, it's called the band Toto, like you have before your whole life. And, you know, so I said, well, if we're going to do that, we got to prove to the people that we can play that music and it's going to sound great. So when they, you know, do come see, I have a whole tour book for next year if we're allowed to go. But you're going to have a live you know? stream. You're going to debut the new lineup, right? There's a live stream so you can see the new band. 
Okay. Like in, the, in sort of a, a little better than rehearsal version. You know what I mean? Right. Like it'll sound better than, you know, there's a few lights, but it's not like our full production or anything like that. Sure. But, we didn't have an extra $5 million lying around a pit after <laughs> a year of not working. You don't? And, <laughs> and, and the bills still keep coming, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you, it's a tough room. Oh, no, I'm okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, worried about it, but it's like, you know, at the same time, it's like sitting around the house for a year is a little rough, you know. Sure. When you want to get out there. That's why it's so great rehearsing. And like, even though we're in a big room on in ears and we're careful and we're not like breathing on each other, and I've been tested and get tested every week and craziness of it all. Uh, but it's been great mm-hmm. to play again with bands. It's like, yes, this is fun. It's loose. You know, there's a couple of, there's a couple of mistakes and warts, but it's real. That's I mean, rock and roll. be real. I mean, we're, we, I mean, we, you know, we're not playing, everything's not perfect. You know, we're not playing the clicks and, uh, all that, you know, there's nothing going on, shouldn't be going on, you know what I mean? It's real. Right on, yeah. We just got a really strong vocal section, a great sound, makes it sound like it's 100 people singing. It's great. All these new gadgets they have to make everything sound big. You know? What keeps you, I guess, there's a lot of things, I guess, keeping you motivated, but with, with Toto, because it seems like it's always kind of maybe been a challenge with the lineup changes, but with your new... Solo record that coming out next year in, in February, and you're touring with Ringo every summer. I had the pleasure of seeing you. Uh, one of my last concerts, I got to see Pier 17 in New York City. Uh, oh, wow. I remember that on the rooftop, right? Oh, yeah. I, for my first time there. That was there, a trippy gig, man. To play the gig looking all over New York City like that, that was, that was a gas. Oh, I know. I'm glad I got to experience it before this all happened. So what is, I guess, well, yeah, what's keeping I mean, you... He's the one. He still wants to work too. The guy's like, he's a beast. He's 80 years old. He's like, when are we going, when are we going on the road again? You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, all right, boss, man, you're the, you're the man. So as long as he wants to keep doing it, I want to, I want to keep doing it. Well, I, I, I hope you both do. And it's great because when you mentioned Ringo's 80th birthday, I was on my couch watching it on TV. So it's just, this is the world that we live in now. I, I need to ask, yeah. uh, since I don't have a lot of time with you, this is if you if you know the the name of the podcast is Appetite for Distortion and I know you have collaborated with so many different people throughout your career. Yeah. And one I want to ask I about is is Slash. Uh how did you You're a friend of mine. Yes. I love him to death. He's one of my he's a, he's a really great friend. We've been friends 30 years something like that. I just we just had dinner last week, man. I talked to him all the time. We're trying, trying to get together again. I love him. Wow. One of my favorite human beings and an incredible guitar player obviously and one of the one one of the great sweethearts in rock and roll, man. He's just a really and really super smart, man. You would not think you would think, oh, the guy's really he's a together well-read cat, man. I have a deep respect for him. Plus, I love him as a person. He's a great guy. Was there any temptation, perhaps, when uh, Guns N' Roses wasn't doing anything? You recommended him to Ringo for the All Star Band. <laughs> did you ever want to collaborate no, with I him? I never did. Oh. I, I never did that, but they know each other anyway. So sure, I did. Mean, I, 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 you know, I don't think that's a sort of a gig for him. You know, it, it seems to me that he would be, um, he does what he does. You know, what I mean, backing up other people isn't really something that he does. You know, what do you whereas t- I was a studio guy, so I can do anything. It's like, what do you want me to sound like right now? Okay, okay, oh, I can do that. All right, let's do that. You know. Whereas he's very much, I, I don't know, ask him, maybe, maybe he'd be perfect. I don't know. <laughs> it was just the thing is, a fantasy he doesn't of mine. Sing, but 
Yeah, you gotta be able to sing a little bit to be in the ah, band. Ah, that's very I don't true. Think he, I don't think he sings. I, I've never heard Slash sing. I don't think anybody has. <laughs> on a couple of songs, but it's not. It's it's. I'm, I'm gonna get him to sing for him. Hey man, you know this is. I got. I I say he can sing a little bit. I but other people may say no. I'm just gonna guess. Because he has a musician's ear. I mean, some some musicians are great, but they can't really sing very well. But they can at least, you know, hum a tune. You know what I mean? Sure. So who is out there, I guess, or are they on your solo record that you want to still work with and collaborate with since you have such a long and, and a storied career? I mean, I just want to work with guys that didn't need to rehearse and they could read the part and also play, play their asses off free form. So, I mean, it's a, it, uh, with me, I use Greg, uh, Greg Bissonette on drums. I use you know, Jorgen Carlson from Government Mule on bass. And uh, John Pierce on a couple of songs. And then it was David Page in, um, on Hammond and piano. And uh, then it was uh, Jeff Babco on all the rest of everything, some piano. They all switched off. Me on guitar. That was it. I didn't really And Joseph Williams did some background vocals for me. I did it in eight days. So I didn't have a lot of time to... To do the whole, you know, let's get everybody I know on a record. You know, I just wanted to do it old school, like a early 70s record with 2020 sounds, and that's what I did. Um, on the other hand, you know, all, and everybody else got to jam and play and every solo and everything, all the souls were live. So I had a blast, most fun ever. That was my, what I wanted to do. So if it's a sort of a vanity record, I guess, but there's also some pretty cool songs on it. So you be the judge, my friend. Right on. So that comes out uh, February of next year, and the the total live stream event is uh, November twenty first. Yeah, February twenty sixth, and this and this weekend, this Saturday, the twenty first is the uh, uh, Toto Dogs of Oz tour debut of the new band. Awesome. I can't thank you enough. This really was a pleasure. I hope to have you on again. Obviously, there's so many questions to ask you. Thank you uh, very much, you. man. Thanks for having me on. You have a great day. Appreciate it. Bye. Great. A little like at the beginning, it, it's so funny. Like some, when I get these, uh, as I mentioned, if you listen to these interviews, some of the, the shorter ones. So I was, I think I was exactly the, the middle point of Steve Luthaker's uh, press tour this morning. He's been going since, I, I'm, it's 11 a.m., around 11 a.m. here in New York City. He's been going since 10 a.m. He's going to noon. <laughs> All 10-minute intervals. So sometimes this is how interviews happen. And you get their press release and all that, and uh, you know, gives us up, most updated material if, if there's new songs to listen to. And sometimes there are little notes, perhaps about the uh, the interview themselves, like don't ask about such and such. Like it, <laughs> when I de- got this for Duff McKagan, it said don't ask about Guns N' Roses, which I wasn't going to if I had the opportunity. But that's another story uh, for <laughs> for Steve. It just said, please uh, note that Steve does not talk in sound bites. <laughs> so make sure you're the, to the point, and uh, hopefully he'll get right to the point, which is kind of like how I am, M- meaning that Steve is so engaging and loves to tell stories that in a normal podcast setting, if we're just sitting here and, and time is not a limit, oh, great. But when you got 10 minutes, you got to you know, sometimes cut people off to get to another question. So it's kind of like a heads up, like, hey – you know, don't wait to. Otherwise, he may he may give you a really nice ten minute question uh, answer rather. <laughs> but that was fun. It really was. I, I hope to get to, to talk to him again. You could see that I could have asked him a lot about Slash, but you know, the interview isn't about Slash. <laughs> it's about Steve Luke and all the stuff. 
And uh, no, I want to ask about Michael Jackson and beat it. I mean, oh my goodness. You sent in a lot of questions and I appreciate that. And uh, as I mentioned, time is a factor, uh, unfortunately, for these interviews. So uh, you're, you're, you're on my mind, though, and you definitely still help me gu- guide my, my thought process with these uh, interview questions. But I digress. So let's continue this episode of Appetite for Distortion with a segment where we talk about new music. Yes, new music on the Guns N' Roses podcast. We wish it was new Guns N' Roses music, but, well, soon is the word. We discover other new music, other new artists on a segment we like to call Appetite for Discovery. I just want to bury Appetite. Rather than just going a bunch of songs together that we think are fun, we're going over it, you know, with a fine-tooth comb and just working on everything to try it. That's the goal. Bury Appetite. Or Discovery! So I'm really excited to talk to our next guest. He's a Grammy Award-winning guitarist and producer, uh, Adrian Quesada. And uh, I guess this year, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Adrian, that this was your second opportunity at a Grammy with the the Black Pumas. So this was your – you could have been a two-time Grammy Award winner, but I think losing out to Billie Eilish, that, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that L. Um, so that was uh, actually my third time at the Grammys, but our nice. first time is Black Pumas, yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Because th- I I don't want to keep you forever, but I know we're just starting the conversation. But there's a lot to learn about you and the the Black Pumas. And before yeah. it gets lost, because obviously this is a uh, Guns N' Roses theme podcast, six degrees of of G and R bacon, as I like to call it. And I was excited to hear that you are you're you're a massive fan of Appetite for Destruction. So we're going to talk about that. But th- this I also found really interesting as a just maybe a few minutes ago. So uh, this year, the whole year of crap, 2020 sucks. Uh, you guys, because are you in right now your hometown of uh, of Austin, Texas, by the way? That's correct. Yeah, I am here, yeah. Nice. Um, little sidebar. I made my first visit there finally last year uh, for Austin City Limits. Oh, very cool. What did you think? Uh, it was really, it was nice. I, I happened. Yeah. I, it was just, it was just really cool, really nice. It, it Oddly enough, I, I packed nothing but like basketball, like tank top jerseys, but it was cold that weekend. So it was weekend two. It was like in the 50s. Which yeah, was, yeah. I think I might have been there that weekend. Okay. Maybe not. I can't remember. Apparently yeah. that never happens. That's not very common for it to be. You know, I'm like, yeah, oh. not at all. Okay. Because I'm like, I'm in Austin, Texas, but whatever. It's all good. So this year in your hometown of Austin, Texas, uh, you got the uh, a Black Pumas Day earlier this year. So a good thing for you guys. And the mayor of Austin, uh, Austin, Texas, is Steve Adler, not mm-hmm. not the Steven Hilarious. Adler. <laughs> so Steve Adler, even better. Yeah, I, I thought that was just a, a funny side note. It would be cool if Steven Adler this, was the mayor. Yeah, it's kind of this funny like running joke with a friend, couple of friends of mine, where we talk about the mayor. We're like Steve Adler. It's, it's just funny to say that, but yeah, <laughs> his name is Steve Adler. Oh, I love it. I got to get uh, both of them on the show, or I can false advertise and say uh, I got Steve Adler uh, interviewed. Uh, there you go. <laughs> nice. You get a lot of hate mail afterwards, I think. But yeah. yeah, I'm sure. So, what were the plans? Which I mean, this year is almost over, thankfully. But it looks like I mean, there's no not, not to be a Debbie Downer. There's no end in sight. But what were the plans uh, for for you and Black Pumas this year? I mean, a lot of touring. You know, we had a. I mean, we were on tour for about a year and a half 
before this all happened, and and we probably had another about, about another year of touring festivals, another couple of European tours, South America, which is my first time going down there, um, that we had on the books that all got little by little just started disappearing from the calendar until it just one day to the next, you know, was all gone. So that was what most of the year was going to be. Oh, because I can't imagine the the high of again being you're, you're a relatively young band you've been in it you've been in the music game for a while we're gonna dive into both of those a little bit but i mean is there a way to describe again the the high you're nominated for your uh, uh, grammy you're, you're a young band where i mean when did you when did the black pumas technically formulate 2017 right that's right yeah 2017 we didn't really actually play our first show till 2018 but we eric and i started working on the music in 2017 all right well wikipedia is right then i'm not going to pretend i i, I know more <laughs> <Yeah>. than that <laughs> but to be nominated for a grammy and to to get out there because you were doing late night shows all of that so how have you how have you handled it how have you been uh handling staying creative and just not going out of your mind because the black pumas or I should take as Black Pumas, are a band that needs to be heard live. I, I can't, for someone who hasn't seen them yet, just from the experience you watch, uh, either from your videos or just listening to it, it's just, you could tell that this is a band that needs to be seen live. Oh, thank you, man. You know, so it's uh, it's been, you know, trying to just find the silver lining in all of it. I, I'd say that, uh, you know, it was a bummer for sure to, that see it all kind of disappear and see some of this momentum that we had going just go away. But I will say that just trying to find the silver lining in it all. I mean, we had, you know, since it just from the time we played our first gig to, you know, our last tour that we did this year in, in Europe, February of 2020, we didn't really, it happened. It was all happening so quick that we hardly ever had time to like, take it in and savor it. You know, we were like going one tour to the next one city to the next. We'd come home for a few days basically to do laundry and make sure, you know, my wife doesn't forget me. And, you know, it was like, it was just a whirlwind. So it was like the first time where we actually were able to pause and kind of reflect on what, what had been happening and savor it. So, you know, and originally we started as a studio project, you know, we started in 2017. We didn't play our first show till 2018. So, um, again, just trying to be positive and find the silver lining. We, we, uh, you know, it's allowing us to kind of write again and start, we're about to like pretty soon dive deep into our second album, but we're, you know, trying to make the best of it. So how long have to get your, your background? Cause I, I said before the black Pumas or again, I keep messing that up. It's like saying, uh, do I say the Beatles or the oh, Beatles? It's fine. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, no, it's fine. You're fine. Uh, I mean, what is it technically? It's just black Pumas, right? Technically, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. It's people call it the Black Pumas. There's no getting around that. I'm trying to think of what examples. Um, like I, I remember reading that uh, Yoko Ono would call the Beatles Beatles, not the Beatles. Mm, okay. So I don't know that there's a right way, but I do think the Black Pumas you can get away with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Since Black Pumas are again relatively new, and you're, I think that's awesome that you're in a class. I guess as far as uh, for new music with Billie Eilish. I've said on this podcast, honestly, um, I'm a fan of hers. Uh, She's great. Yeah. I, I just think so. Cause I often talk about with the Guns N' Roses podcast, talking about a band, you know, from late eighties where, you know, there's maybe not a lot of great new rock music, hard rock, or maybe it's hard to find, but music in general, there is a lot of it. 
And, uh, you know, obviously black pumas are uh, within that. But going back, for and you can help me uh, maybe get, d- give dates to these. So how old of a guy are you? Because you were nominated for one of the Grammys, or you won one of the Grammys back in 2000, and, you know, 10 years ago, 2010. So you've I'm been... 40, I'm 43. Wow, you sound young. I got to tell you something. Yeah. You, you sound like a young man. Uh, thank you, man. So I, I guess when you're using this year to take time to reflect... And you're experiencing kind of a new success with a new band, but you're not new. You've been putting in the hard work for years. Like, has that reflection, has the reflection kind of helped you now and be like, whoa, I'm glad I never gave up? Or like, did you never, were you never faced with that since you had success, I guess, early on? It's, it's funny because it's like, I never, uh, because I, uh, like, I mean, it sounds super cliche to say this, but like, if you truly are doing it because you love it, you know, it's never, it's been an, I mean, it's been on the table in the past where I've considered, you know, there's been low points where I've considered like, okay, well maybe, um, I mean, I've certainly like, you know, back in the day taken on like a bunch of part-time jobs and here and there when things aren't going as well. But I mean, I'm all, I would always, I'd be doing music no matter what, you know, it's like, I'd be, I don't know that I would be, uh, dedicating every single day to it if it wasn't paying my bills. But, um, I, you know, I think if you just really love it, I mean, there's nothing that would stop me from making music. That's what, you know, in college when everybody was going to parties, I'd go to the party and, and leave really early. Cause I just wanted to get back to my, you know, dorm room and work on my four track. So, if, I mean, it's just like literally what I would be doing no matter what, but luckily I've been able to, uh, you know, support a family off of it but i mean you know there's the 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 music industry is is humbling (laughs) for sure so it's you know i've definitely seen a lot of ups and downs i can relate to just myself personally with the with radio having you know what some people may deem a success but maybe you haven't had that quote-unquote big break yet um but Mm -hmm. but you you love what you do there are times i've i've worked for, without making money or just I'm, i know i'm spending money just by or losing money rather by the amount how far i have to travel and paying gas and all that that stuff so mm-hmm. I, I i relate to uh to you there for sure so are you surprised or are you not surprised then by the the kind of fast uh just reception uh the the the, the critical acclaim that, that has come along cuz you played south by southwest in one best new band. So have any of the, have you been surprised by any of this uh, quick success that you and Eric have had? Well, you know, I actually remember telling Eric in, you know, about a month after we played our first show, I was like, Hey, are you, you know, is this something you want to do? Cause I, you know, I, I, it is going to happen fast, but I will say that it's even exceeded those expectations. I did know that it was, that things seemed to be, people seem to be reacting to it. Uh, kind of insanely, but I didn't, I, I would say that it's a little bit, I'm a little bit surprised at this point. It's just all part of the course. I'm not surprised anymore. It's just like part of the Pumas, you know, thing. So. And cause you guys have millions of views on, on YouTube. I want, I want to get the actual updated number so I can give it for, it was the, the, uh, for, it was the colors one. Uh, yeah. The official live session. 46 million views. That is an, yeah, yeah. And the official video has 5.7, which has nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's just insane. So you guys, uh, you and Eric, I should say, uh, 
Um, you, Eric Burton, you have you did not grow up together. You met later on. Like, how did that? I guess friendship. That's how did you fr- that friendship start? And I'm glad. Obviously, many many people are millions of people are that that friendship started. Uh, you know, in Austin, Texas, there's a it's um, obviously they call it the live music capital of the world, and but as, I'd say that like what sep- separates the uh, Austin or from you know, other music hubs like LA, Nashville, New York, whatever is, um, that there's truly like a sense of community here. So like everybody kind of knows everybody and kind of, you know, it's really not a huge town. Austin isn't, uh, is growing, but it's not like a really, really huge town. And, no, and it was like I, New York condensed. I was really surprised yeah. and it was cool. I'm like, it's easier to get around, but it's, you know, it has everything yeah. you, you need. And I have friends in all the major cities that are musicians and like, I will say that there's no uh, place like Austin in terms of just a sense of community. Like, you know, a lot of musicians are friends uh, that all support each other. And when people aren't on tour, they're playing small clubs, you know, in Austin. So there's always that connection. So there's like kind of a one degree of separation, you know. So I just, uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours just connected us, man. He had just moved to town like a co. He actually moved from L.A., a couple of years, maybe one or two years before that. And a mutual friend connected us and we just started working on music. It was that simple. And, uh, you know, as, as we became a band and started touring and everything, we kind of played catch up with, you know, really getting to know each other and everything. Cause it started, you know, basically in the studio. What kind of, uh, music or, or band specifically that did you two bond over? Because it's, it's hard to describe, and yeah, people are putting uh, soul or R&B, psychedelic soul, those kind of labels, mm-hmm. but it's hard to, I mean, accurately, I, th- I think how I said earlier, you need to at least watch a live video or, or see them yeah. live. Uh, that's why you I know, went straight enough, to the live stuff. So yeah, how would you, yeah, tell me the uh, well, what you bonded Funny over. enough, we didn't really, uh, man, We, I mean, we like from the time we met and first spoke to the first studio session we did. I mean, the first time we got together, we recorded like our first two singles that afternoon. So it was like, huh. it was all uh, super like serendipitous. And there was just a connection, man. We didn't really even have to like discuss, you know, I, I didn't know um, what he was really into. Honestly, when we huh. met, we just started working, man. And it was just flying and like, it was just awesome. And later on, we came to, you know, bond over that we you know, there's, we both liked everything from Neil Young to hip hop music to soul music, but the, I swear that it wasn't really like a, Hey, what are your influences here or mine? I mean, we just like, you know, started recording and it was just working out and everything that I had already kind of been working on and producing, he fit like a glove over and every song that he had already written that i kind of was adding my production to fit like a glove. So it was just this totally, uh, you know, symbiotic thing that just happened and and with very little discussion over like what are our common influences oh wow okay well this yeah. this sounds it's just like a it's all meant to be really yeah uh mm-hmm. so let me ask you what are your uh specific influences man they're all over the place like i you know I've go, i go through heavy phases uh i would say that one of my kind of most consistent throughout life was actually hip-hop music i i uh 
you know, that was kind of like one of the, the genres that opened the doors for lots of things because uh, I've gone through, you know, obviously we're on a Guns N' Roses, Roses podcast. That was my favorite band for a long time. And, and I still just still blast Appetite for Destruction. And I still listen to a lot of rock and rolls, you know, particularly a lot of rock and roll, particularly from my formative years. But I, uh, I mean, you know, I've gone through a jazz phase. I've gone through a big soul phase. I've gone through whatever. But, you know, hip hop was the one thing that I remember kind of opened doors for me because, you know, as they were sampling things in the late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, there was an era like in the 90s, late 90s, when people were starting to put out compilations of what the samples were. And that's when I was like, oh, man, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't know who James, I mean, I knew who James Brown was from like, coming to america but i didn't really nice. know james brown you know music and that's when i was like oh wow that's, that's james brown i gotta listen to james brown and then oh that's uh you know miles davis i guess i should listen to that so it opened so many doors for me man but you know i mean I've, honestly i've gone through phases of everything it's from you know major you know i listen to everything it's rock, it sounds cliche but just rock and roll hip-hop soul music uh jazz everything right on because uh I, I love soul music, just not uh, more than just the genre itself, but when it's infused with rock and roll. And that, that's what mm-hmm. led me to uh, Guns N' Roses and the way Slash plays and even mm-hmm. the, the Slash list stuff uh, that, that Axel has done. There, there are some soul on, on some songs. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, how can you not? Uh, I was excited when I got the uh, the email from your, your rep that like, oh, he loves Appetite. I mean, how do you not? everyone loves appetite maybe that uh it's maybe more on the aggressive side of soul if you want to look into that but i look at it more like uh the illusions and, and stuff like that so i'm just curious what mm-hmm. you think of uh slash as a guitar player and has he i guess any had any influence on you so man i i love i obviously love slash and you know when i when appetite came out i was fairly young and it's funny because i was just texting with my cousin about this who also used to play guitar um and i was like and i just uh put on i had to move my studio my recording studio so i was like doing a lot of like construction in here and just stuff like that so that's always a good opportunity to like put on some classic albums you know and okay i just heard it again like a week and a half ago in its entirety twice in one day nice and it's and like it's incredible especially if you think about like to put it in context how they were living back then, um, how like perfect all of Slash's guitar parts are on, uh, yeah, especially solos. They're like, and you consider that like, you know, I, I think he was really not just posing with the bottle of Jack Daniels, but probably downing a bottle of Jack Daniels and who knows, you know, a little bit of Mr. Brown. So all that. Yeah. In, and, and like playing these like, flawless melodic parts so i mean it's you know i'm still like just and and at his age you know back then like just incredible but i will say man um i don't know we were going to get to this but when i was young back then this this is not anything against flash but like i i always thought izzy was the freaking coolest guitar player like i i I think he's kind of he was kind of the unsung hero man I love Slash. There's nothing about against Slash. So yeah, talk about uh, Izzy because I mean he gets plenty of love. Or I guess the hardcore Guns N' Roses fans want Izzy to get more love. But Slash, I guess you know he's the guy with the, the top hat. He's what of the uh, the 
the regular person, they, that's who, they, they, when they think of Guns N' Roses, they know Axl Rose, they know Slash. And that was kind of one of the reasons why I did this podcast because the anybody knows who, like, whether it's a cheerleader or a metalhead, you know who those two guys are. But Izzy, with his playing, with his songwriting, something that you do, you know, so uh, tell me about, I guess, inf- uh, Izzy, uh, what influence he's had on you as somebody, I mean, he, he writes uh, slash has written some songs, but it's not to the extent that Izzy has. Yeah, man. I mean, that's you know, and honestly, like back then, I mean, I was I was young and really young. Uh, I remember, like, that's kind of my style, anyways. I kind of like rhythm guitar, you know. Okay. Uh, I, I I always have, and I mean, I can, I can solo and I'll do it, and I li- and I really like to do it. But like, I've always really just been attracted to like the guitar contributing to the song and playing. And man, back then I remember uh, my first, the first time I kind of felt like it just knocked me on my feet was the uh, Live at the Ritz. I remember watching it on MTV. I remember like going into my parents' bedroom, they weren't home and like getting a bag. I mean, I just remember that I, I had to order the DVD the other day because I was like, I, it's so like uh, nostalgic for me. <laughs> but like, I, you know, of course, yeah, like Axel and, and Flash are killing it, but I mean, like back then, I remember like noticing who's that dude that's kind of like a little more low key, but still awesome and still looks like he could beat you up, you know, like mm-hmm. just awesome, man. And then he's playing a hollow body too, which like a lot of rock bands, not many people were playing uh, hollow body guitars back then, you know, just so much like swagger on stage, man. So I, and then as I got to know the story, you know, I didn't understand it back then. I just thought, you know, they're all just characters on TV back then, but, uh, as I kind of learned the story and then I started to actually like play guitar. I was all, and then I figured out who was playing what I was like, man, I'm just really, I just really love like all the riffs. Just so incredible. His tone, like his approach to it is just awesome. man. Awesome. No, I appreciate that, that, that insight. And you're not, again, you're not the first one nor the last to, mm-hmm. to gravitate toward Izzy, you know, just the, uh-huh. the quiet, cool, the quiet. Cool. Yeah, man. Uh, and then later on, mm-hmm. I came to learn all the, you know, the history and like, you know, you, I learned the real story and all that. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I mean, back then I gravitated towards them. Right on, right on. So what are you gravitating toward now? That's my, my really lame segue into what's next. I mean, this year you were able to accomplish a lot. Again, being nominated for a Grammy for Best New Artist. You've been on Ellen. You've been on Fallon, uh, Seth Meyers, Colbert. uh what is next? What can we expect from Black Pumas? Uh, little by little, starting to kind of chip away at a new record. You know, uh, we we have a lot of new demos and and ideas that we kind of need to sort through and start putting our heads together. And I got I got a text from Eric last night that was like, "Hey man, uh, can you send me the you know the latest demos on a Dropbox link because it's it's about that time." So I'm like, "All right, man." So it's a uh, you know I think we're about to start kind of diving deep into it. Awesome. I'm I'm excited as a new fan. Uh definitely a new fan of, of you, Adrian, and Black Pumas. Oh, man. Uh, Thank you. I'm excited and I mean obviously for a variety of reasons we want uh the world to kinda go back to normal, but um it when it does, I won't say if and when, it won't be that. When it does, uh when you guys come to New York, uh I can't wait to see you. Yeah, for sure, man. That sounds great. Awesome. Adrian, thank you so much. Hey man, thanks for having me. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Before I get out of here, I want to say thanks to Guns and Radio podcast. They recently had a, an ep- me on an episode of theirs where I dissected Rocket Queen. 
which sounds weird out of context if you don't know what I'm talking about, and a bunch of the other hijinks that they get into. And also Brandon Fields of uh, Minefield with Todd Kearns had me on a recent episode of his podcast, Fields and Friends. I kind of like being able to not be the host, not play host. I, I admit that. So uh, thanks. Thanks, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, and thanks to all of you who have bought T-shirts or a sweatshirt or a sticker or magnets off of Redbubble. That's right. New Appetite for Distortion T-shirts merch is available via redbubble.com. And I basically make nothing off of it. <laughs> it's just you got to have your brand out there. And people have been asking for them for a while. So um, just just thanks to those who uh, have, have shown interest. And f- please follow Appetite for Distortion on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show, Twitter at the AFD show, Instagram. The likes keep going up. The follows keep going up on Instagram, which I really like to see. Uh, Appetite for Distortion on the gram, as they say. That's what the conversation continues in between each episode. That's how you get to submit questions. For guests. That's how you find out about these guests. It's great if you just subscribe, you know, whether it's iHeartRadio or Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, whatever. But you're missing out on an opportunity to take part in these episodes by not following on social media. And in the future, there will be giveaways. I just recently followed up with the, uh, the Jersey Jack pinball guys, and I am going to get a prize pack to give to you. It hasn't been uh, mailed to me yet but because, I mean, things are crazy there with the holidays. But here's the thing before I get out of here. Uh, this may be my last episode of, of November because I'm going to Chicago next week for the first time. Mm. And, and Jersey Jack's pinball happens to be there. So actually I may be able to pick up my prize pack to give you in person. So follow on social media <laughs> about all that shenanigans that I win prizes. Uh, my documents, you know, my, my travels to the Chicago, we'll see if I squeeze in another episode before that, because, uh, there's a, there's an episode coming that I'm really excited for, but I can't announce it yet. I'll leave you on that cliffhanger. Anyway, that does it. So when will you see the next episode? Who will be the guest? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.